episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. All right, so it's uh, been long overdue that we have a very special guest on our show here with us today. We have the one and only uh, Run for Farmers community advocate and one of the brightest souls I've ever come across, Amin Ubi, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you very much. That was a awfully generous and awfully kind introduction, I must say. Well, short and sweet, man, but uh, you know what? Sometimes I find that when I when I come across someone like you, it's uh, it's not often that you can have such a good read on people really quickly. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, you and me, this is perhaps honestly like our first time we're properly like sitting down and genuinely having an extended conversation. Other than this, we've had, you know, our fair bit of moments I'm in where, you know, we've given each other like so much respect, you know, especially I, I want to put a lot of that out there because you're, you're very genuine and vulnerable, like off the bat. And I really respect that about you, especially with the 100,000 steps that you're going to prepare to do um, in the span of 24 hours. And this is happening in just sort of a week from the moment this launches and the reasoning behind why you're doing it. You know, you're supporting so many people out there that are in need, including the family of yours. And I just, I see that and I recognize how important it is for people to know what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. But ever since I've met you, man, from the video posts you'd put in our group and being vulnerable about the mental health um, crises and episodes you've personally gone through. I'm the type of person where for a long time, I feel like I would need to have some sense of connection with someone to share it, but you do it personally so boldly and so openly to let's just face it at that time, some people being those you connected with on that level and others were complete strangers. But you are the type of person I notice I'm in where you put that out there and it's the biggest reason why I feel like your family and many friends of yours give that love and gratitude back to you. Because I really truly feel like from what I see on your Instagram, when I see just from the outside in, you're showered with that. And it's I feel like it's truthfully because you just give it out there. And uh, I needed to wait to say that on air because people <laughs> deserve to know that, man. That's very kind. And, and you know, it's, it's it goes both ways. But it actually the whole vulnerability thing i think it took me a long time to realize that actually vulnerability is your strength um and and in terms of sort of getting my own personal experiences out there and the video posts and stuff um I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in a bit of information can change one person's mindset or it can help one person realize that actually they're not by them uh, alone dealing with certain things and for me it's taken a long time to get to a point where I've been able to talk about um, my struggles with mental health. But if I'm able to, if something's able to connect with a person watching it, then I feel like I've helped one person that day mm -hmm. or two people that day. And a lot of the time with videos, with videos and even messages, you know, we send, people send each other messages all the time and I'm very guilty of not opening every single one of them. And I'm, I'm sure you are as well because you're so busy. 100%. Um, in fact, you once told me to message you on iMessenger because you're more likely to use it. <laughs> but, um, so we've got to filter it through to a different app. Yeah, well, I'm the same. I, I If I if someone sends me an iMessage, I tend to look at it more. But anyway, but my point is actually a lot of people sometimes like read those messages in their own time and it's, those times are normally the times they need to read stuff or see stuff or 
watch stuff. And actually, if me putting a video in the group a few times or a couple of times, which I've done has helped anybody, then I'm very, very grateful. I know we have so much strength in that group. We have so much love in that group. We have so much inspiration in that group. And I, for one, um, when I was getting told to join the group, avoided it twice. Mm. I didn't, yeah, I, th I think when I, I think I was initially told about it in January of 2021. This being the Run for Farmers group. Yeah, yeah. and then I think I eventually joined probably a couple of months later because I was just, for me, I just, I was paranoid that I'd come across as uh, bragging more so that about my uh, my running times or what I'd done that week or and I've never in terms of that I don't compete you know for me I'm my own competition so if I do if I do 10k in x amount of minutes then it's because I want to do it for myself and I don't ever want to be competitive so I felt like I felt like if I start posting my times and stuff and people might think, well, he's trying to compete with us. He's bragging. He's just being arrogant. And that, and that's something I was, obviously I, I do that. I did that. I thought that not knowing anybody or anybody's nature in the group. And actually what I found was the most inspiring, the most accommodating, the most enthusiastic group of people who just wanted to elevate any post anybody ever did. And it was just, it was heartwarming. It's still, you know, there's so much love in that Run for Farmers group, whether it's virtually on Instagram or the WhatsApp and then you meet, you know, I met, I met Lauren for the first time on Sunday and it felt like I'd known her forever just wow. because, because we had like, I feel like everybody in that group has a connection. The first time I met even a handful of people was when your brother fought in Edmonton at the casino. And I was a little bit sort of anxious because as, as I am anyway, socially a little bit. Um, and I was like, okay, so there's going to be a lot of people from the Run for Farmers group. Am I going to be what people think I'm going to be? And then the paranoia was like, what if I'm not? Like, what if I'm completely different to their perception? What if I come across completely different to what I do in my in my messages? So it was a huge paranoia, huge anxiety. Um, I filled my ticket allocation with family as my as my comfort blanket, as my backup. But you know, as in like, if they don't like me, then I have my family with me, and family means so much sometimes. And I got there, and I sat with the Run for Farmers group for the entire night. And I don't know where my family were. <laughs> Plot twist, you right? You know, it's, it's just, it's insane. You know, the, the amount of love in that group. And you know, I, before, before I met you or any of the others, I knew two people and they were family in that group. Mm. So, you know, I, I went in blind, you know, and now I'm surrounded by the most, the kindest strangers in a group. It's insane. That's beautiful when you share it that way, man. Uh, what, what a reminder of when so much of what we look for in a community is the collective of those who have the same ideals and mm. goals and ambitions and beliefs. It's real quickly we're able to see um, the impact that has on someone being able to show up as their most authentic version of themselves. Yeah. And I think that's, um, to, to piggyback off of what you said, I'm in about how we are so anxious including myself at times when i uh especially post covid i never to be honest felt this way before i used to be so juiced up about social events it's getting better now through Good. things opening up but the first couple of networking events i went to i had that same feeling mm. and it was that feeling of i feel anxious of how people are going to judge who i am and what i'm about and how i come off mm -hmm. based off of this is the most important part you mentioned based off of what they already might know about me so 
Who am I online? How are they perceiving me? What am I sharing in a group, the community I'm in on WhatsApp? Yeah. And how do I come off? Absolutely. At face value. And it's crazy, man. Like there's so many people, not that I am at this level by any means, but there's a lot of people who are like, quote unquote, Insta famous who actually feel this way too. Mm -hmm. Whether like there's now this facade, there's this, I'm coming off a certain way. Okay, is that way I'm coming off online the way I truly am? And I think that's the scary thing is what effect does how anxious we feel about this have on how authentic mm -hmm. and true we really are being in these situations behind the screen? And I'm not saying that we weren't by any means, but it can be, of course, scary when it's like, okay, I'm finally going to look this person in the eye. Yeah. I'm going to, human instinct kicks in, mm. right? We're going to be able to feel those nonverbal cues. We're going to be able to see mm. how is this person perceiving me while I'm talking? And I just, I know it's so much easier said than done, but it's like this concept of like, well, who fucking cares? Mm. Absolutely. Like at the end of the day, why, why am I putting so much, uh, you could say, uh, like energy into what yeah. others are going to think about how I come off when I just decide to be who I really am meant to be? And it's in those moments, in those truest moments when you stop thinking, literally like taking energy, conscious energy into thinking how other people mm. perceive you <clears throat> is when you go into being able to like flow. Yeah, it's insane. And I think the biggest thing for me was... Um, Obviously, when we did our introductions into the group, which is, I think is an amazing thing always because it kind of gives you an idea of um, a person's character um, because a lot of the time the introduction is done by themselves or by someone that knows them. I think Sonny Bra did mine. Um, and for me, it was like, okay, so I have been completely honest about my struggles with mental health. And I thought to myself, okay, so what, if I go to this event and they see me laughing and joking. Are they going to think I was lying mm. about my mental health? And I was just like, wow. whoa, hold on. No, I'm not. And no, they won't. Nobody does that. But, you know, it was, it was just, I think it was just a, a personal battle I was having. And at, at that time, actually, um, my family who I live with were very sort of accommodating and very good. Um, and in understanding that there's times I need to take a time out. So there'd, there'd be certain events I'd be like, I'm sorry, I just don't think I can come. Because for me, it'd be like, if I did three, the fourth one would be a real struggle. And if I went, if I attended, I'd sit there quiet and just not say a single word to the, the people around me. And actually yeah. that that can obviously set off so many different problems. Um, and I was just getting to the point where I was just saying, do you know what, I just don't think I can do this one or I just don't think I can go to this. And the, the fam, my family I was I lived with, they were just really sort of understanding and said, okay, cool, no worries, no pressure. You let us know what you need and you rest. And, and that's amazing. And actually that at that, at that period in my t uh, life, which was only last summer, I was talk talking 12 months ago. Um, I feel like a different person now, actually. Um, that was really important for me and really helpful in knowing that I wasn't forced to go to these events and make myself feel uncomfortable and then not only that, but have my aura make those around me uncomfortable because that's also important because actually if you're going to sit there quietly, people are always going to constantly ask you what's wrong. You're going to say nothing. They're going to not believe you. And actually the whole room can change. The dynamic can change. Are you someone in your family, I mean, who is, first word that comes to mind is the entertainer, but I, I think I'm using, I'm not using it fully mm. when I say that word, but what I mean is, there's a certain aura to you that is not necessarily expected, but that you bring. 
and that if that's not there, it's obvious. I think once upon a time I was when I was a lot younger. Yeah. I don't think that's the case over the last few years. Um, I think I have my moments mm. as uh, people who have followed various accounts on Instagram will test, detest too. <laughs> um, I think if I'm right, if I'm mentally right, I can be. Um, I don't need any encouragement to break into song. We we had a conversation last week at 9.15pm and both of us were singing you know, that's how we answered the phone. But that sort of thing I can do like that, you know, three days a week, that will probably be me, be me. But a lot of the time, sometimes, you know, a lot of the time I am still more reserved than I used to be, but not as much as before. I, I'm a thinker. Um, I think, you know, the majority of the time I'm an, I'm an introvert, mm. uh, but certain situations I can become an extrovert sport put me on a soccer pitch and I'll become the biggest extrovert you've ever seen. Um, I remember having some professional coaching a few years ago back in England and uh, the tests, the, you know, the, the personality test shows I was an introvert and then the person doing my coaching was looking at my sort of uh, resume, my CV and stuff and it said that I'd I'd been captain of every single soccer team I'd play for, played for since I was sort of 12, 14 years old up until university and all sorts and then she was like, so what, how are you an introvert if this is your experience. I've, you know, I've managed big teams professionally and stuff. They're like, so how are you an introvert? But put me in a certain situation and I'll be the biggest extrovert you've ever seen. Mm. Um, but So you have to, that's something that needs to be channeled. It's something that you've mm. worked on. It's, uh, can be tapped into in a certain capacity like sports and leading a team that allows you to show that other side, mm. right? And th this concept comes to mind where going back to how you felt in social situations where your just battery is now drained and it's going to become more drained by going to more social settings. And you just finally respect it at a point in your life from what it seems that you actually need to recharge that battery by being by yourself. Mm. Right? I remember one specific day, actually. It was I remember it specifically because it was a Saturday. It's a very nice day and I don't sleep. You know, I barely get five, six hours sleep a night. Um, it's something that's been happening for years. I'm beginning to think that's just the norm for me. Mm. Um, but there's one particular Saturday last summer, I was in bed at 5 p.m. And my family texts me saying, Amen, are you okay? And I was just like, I'm just empty and I just need to rest and I'm just, I just can't get up. Um, and I think for them that was like, okay, so this <laughs> this guy does need to be by himself. He does need that space and time. Mm -hmm. And they were very respectful on that. And they, and they always are actually, you know, they're, they're always the first to say in the mornings, I mean, how are you? How are you feeling? Do you need anything? Can we do anything for you? Uh, and that, and I remember that one specific, must have been early September last year. And it was just like, whoa, I'm done. I have nothing to give to mm -hmm. anybody. Uh, barely have anything to give to myself. Um, actually, it was not long after my birthday. Actually, so that makes sense. So there was like two or three celebrations in a row, mm. um, and then come that Saturday, come that weekend, I was just like in no shape to do anything. So then there's that pattern, right? There's like that, that yeah. third, fourth of a long. Yeah, and I like weekend. to think that hasn't happened for a very a, a long time. Actually, I think over the last probably six months or so, I think I've probably um, declined one event. Oh, okay. uh, and that wasn't actually long ago. It was like only a few weeks ago, um, and that was more so. Uh, you know, I think there's there's just like bugs and viruses going around. And I think it was just my body was just drained and tired. Well, I'm I'm glad that you know your loved ones really respect it. I think that's really mm, important amazing, based off honestly. your social support, right?
This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least, and Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time, on any device. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head over to ab.bluecross.ca. Um, I want to go into it, man. I'm sure, you know, everyone's dying to know what's inspired you to run and walk <laughs> 100,000 <laughs> steps in the span of 24 hours. So I wanted to just give you the time here I'm in to share, you know, what exactly has motivated you to um, do this uh, and what is going to be, um, what is going to be the thing that's going to tell you to keep going when you're in the 16th hour out of the 24 and you want to, um, you want to quit and you want to stop and you want to tell yourself this was a bad idea. Well, I'm already telling myself it was a bad idea. <laughs> uh, 40,000 steps in today and I, about 25,000, I was like, what am I doing? But anyway, that's not, that's not something I'm thinking about right now. Inspired me to do so. So my little nephew, my little eight-year-old nephew, and we were sat there one morning and he said, oh, this person's doing 100,000 steps in a day. Do you think it's possible? I went, definitely not. He was like, oh, I think it is. I was like, definitely not. I was like, uh, I've just done 20,000. I'm exhausted. I don't know what it was that exactly I said. But anyway, that was it. I didn't think about it again. And then a couple of days later, I got another family member messaged me a link to a TikTok video. I opened the TikTok video up and it was this person doing 100,000 steps in 24 hours. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the universe telling me something. So I just went about my day as normal and um, I was actually going to the Gurudwara, the Sikh temple, and um, I just couldn't stop thinking about that video. I couldn't stop thinking about the co- a video and the conversation with my eight-year-old nephew. And I thought, okay, let's do this. Like, I'm going to do this. And then I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's 100,000 steps. No, I'm not. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I am. <laughs> and then I texted another cousin, a family member, and I said, look, do call me when you're ready. Call me when you're free. I've got something to talk to you about, but don't worry, it's not urgent. Uh, and he actually works away uh, two days a week. So anyway, I eventually get to call him and I said, oh, look, I've been thinking about your TikTok video. Let's do the challenge. And he's like, okay. I was like, oh, that was easy. And I was like, actually, to piggyback onto the challenge, I'd like to raise some money for a cause. Um, and actually all, all day long, I'd actually been thinking about mental health uh, with it being sort of, very close to me personally uh, and a lot of people in my circle. Um, but then I thought, actually, we've got something going on currently with our with our uh, family member, our aunt. She's in um, university hospital at the moment, getting the absolute best care from the in the neurology, neurology department. <laughs> um, she's actually in recovery now, having spent a lot of time in, in, in intensive care. Uh, I think four weeks ago, it might be five, four, but exactly today, Thursday, we got a call saying that she'd um, actually had some major surgery uh, that morning. Uh, she had a cyst on her left uh, third rent- ventricle and the and the cyst was preventing any sort of fluids um, going where they should be doing. Uh, so the, the, the liquid was just building up and creating pressure on her brain. And um, obviously, as we know, the brain 
lives inside of our skull and you can't have too much pressure on the brain. Too much pressure on the brain also means that the brain can move. And if the brain moves, there's a part of it, I can't remember the medical term, uh, it damages that part. And if that, it could be fatal, basically, long story short. And um, we were very grateful that um, she was found and uh, her son and husband reacted so quickly in terms of getting emergency services. Um, they went to Grey Nuns Hospital, Grey Nuns called University Hospital. Uh, she was in pre-op before she even arrived there. Um, they did the, uh, the procedure to remove the fluids, um, to release the pressure, uh, on the, the Wednesday or the Thursday, I can't remember. And then on the Friday, they did a procedure to remove the cyst. Um, we're surrounded by amazing people. Um, and obviously after a few days, she didn't recover as, she didn't sort of respond as well as they thought that she might. So they've actually, um, inserted a VP shunt which is a shunt that's put in your brain, a catheter goes to your stomach. So any, I could be completely wrong, any fluid that builds up then gets released through your stomach, which is which is fascinating. Mm. And the procedure for that to be removed isn't as extensive as the other operations are. Um, so, you know, she's, she's doing better. She's gonna struggle with her short-term memory for a while. Um, she also had, she actually traveled just the week before because she started feeling nauseous. She had headaches, she was vomiting. Um, she'd just traveled back from uh, BC the week before um, and she was complaining for a headache of a headache there and then as well. And obviously the pressure of the fluid added to the pressure of traveling mm. wasn't very good. And, and every, you know, retrospect is an amazing thing. And actually when we think about every, or the process and all the, the steps that happened, before she actually got the treatment, we're very lucky and very grateful that she's still here. Um, so that was my choice. I was like, okay, so let's do it for the neurology department at the hospital. Then it took me forever to actually find how I can actually specifically donate to the neurology department. Um, but anyway, yeah, our, our family member agreed to do it and that was it, did it. Thought, okay, let's agree to do this. We did it, we did a post. The following day I went out and did 35,000 steps as a, as a practice run and sent an a, a Instagram post out, reached out to the family and said, do you mind if we do this with, you know, with the idea of donating to this, this cause, they're like, of course. Um, and here we are, we're, this time next week, I probably won't be able to walk because <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just gone to bed like 12 hours ago. But um, I think, I, th I think the inspiration behind it was, a conversation and a TikTok video, but also the timing. I think had it not been for our aunt being in hospital, getting amazing care at that point, I feel like I didn't, if I didn't have a cause, I don't think I would be putting myself through it because, you know, I'm putting myself through a lot of pain. Like I said, I've done 40,000 steps today and there's been times where I've just been like, I can't, I, I can't walk. I'm, I'm aching. I'm in pain. You know, I, I do as you know, probably up to 50 kilometers of running a week, maybe even more. Um, so I'd be, I'm used to sort of being active, but this is just a different beast. This is a different beast entirely. And to do it in 24 hours, I think is gonna be the biggest challenge. Um, and I think the thing that's gonna keep me going is the love that I've had already. It's, it's insane. I put something out probably nine days ago we've already we we did an initial target for fundraising we 
completed that target within four days. No way. Uh, yeah, we're, we're sort of, we, we only did a small target initially, which was a thousand dollars. Still, it's we're, amazing. Yeah, we're on 1500 already. 1500 in, in, in how many days? less than a week. I went, it went live Thursday, Saturday night, Sunday morning. It's unreal. Um, That's 1500 more dollars the neurology unit has now based absolutely. off of your courageousness and your ambitious <laughs> attitude towards doing something that no one would ever even dare to fathom doing just for fun yeah. or just for <laughs> rather a good cause in let's argue how short of a window to prep for this i did two weeks exactly yeah, in two weeks yeah. it's, it's a beautiful and man. a week of that i was away <laughs> and and this is for your aunt this is for our aunt yeah and what and does she say about it Unfortunately, I don't think she knows. Mm. And if she does know, she she would possibly forget at, because of the point oh, she's at the in her recovery. No, but so so my thing with the thing I wanted I said to her 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 two children are is and the adult children is that I want our aunt to know that we appreciated the care that she got on behalf of her. Yeah, and because that's is, what's keeping her alive, and and this is what's keeping her in our lives, you know. And it's beautiful. And it's, I know that she, as much as we're grateful that she's with us, she's way more grateful that she can see her children, she can live for the rest of her life, and she can't say that right now. She can't have those thoughts potentially right now, but we can have them on behalf of her because we know yeah. her enough to know that she would want. She would this. be. That's beautiful. Yeah, and and I think that and the love I've got so far, you know, I, um. I spoke to you on Tuesday night. That was, I don't, I think I just put the post out, mm. the initial post. And I can't repeat your exact words that you said <laughs> when I finished speaking about it, but it was on the long, the lines of this is amazing. And actually something I want to get behind. Um, the family have been supportive. People back home have been supportive. The hospital foundation got in touch with me once I posted something um, we had a meeting with, I had a meeting with them on Monday virtually and they were like sort of like super happy and super proud of of us sort of you know putting their word out of them for them and then obviously saw you Sunday and the first thing you said was all right let's get you on this podcast we were at uh, you know a family member's birthday on Sunday and so much conversation was happening about this challenge and I was even part of those conversations you know and and I'm having so many conversations and that's all people want to talk about. Mm. That's what's going to keep me going, knowing that in a week we had that that many people actually interested in what we're trying to achieve here. And as I've said in the post, as I've said on the Canada Helps website, as I keep saying to everybody, there is a point, there is a chance that I might not complete the challenge how I want it. It might take me 27 hours. Mm. It might, I might do 80,000 steps. 100,000 steps will happen. They'll happen. Whether it's under yeah, or whether it happens, hour mark. It will happen in that week regardless. Okay, if it doesn't happen in 24 hours, I will complete the 100,000. But we shouldn't fail the hospital. We shouldn't fail the the the, uh, the department, which is why the fundraising element has taken so much of of me pushing, and it has just been me pushing. And the reason why I'm not letting go with fundraising, uh, pushing the fundraiser, is because they didn't fail anybody. They didn't fail. They didn't fail my family. They didn't fail that that lady laying in hospital right didn't now. Pull the plug. Probably having they a meal with her daughter or her sister or her son. They didn't fail her. They reacted exactly how they should have done. And, you know, we are surrounded by unbelievable people. And we we focus so much sometimes on the negativity in the world. You know, obviously being from England, the whole Boris Johnson resigning thing is taking up so much of people's time at the moment. It's, that's a negative thing to talk about. But actually, 
let's just stop and say someone put someone back to life and then fix their brain potentially and that's it just it just gives you goosebumps just thinking about it isn't it it it's something worth fighting for Mm. and i find that is the power behind what makes someone such as yourself do such an incredible feat because you're not waking up one day being like ah you know what so I can do uh, I can do ten kilometers pretty damn fast. I can do twenty kilometers. I can do thirty. I can do fifty. I'm just gonna do hundred kilometers under twenty four hours just to test myself. It's not the conversation. It's I'm gonna do a hundred thousand steps in under twenty four hours for a cause that is is worth fighting for. That is gonna remind me as I take each step why I'm doing this mm-hmm. and who I'm doing it for. And you know your aunt that comes to mind, and the neurology unit, and the doctors that mm. have you know preserved a life and many other lives behind the head. Yeah. Just creating awareness around um, something worth putting awareness to, and giving recognition where it deserves to be. Because, like you said, man, there's just so much shit we could be looking mm. at that is making this world feel like a darker, um, more um, unsafe place to be in. However. Does it mean that the good stuff has stopped happening? Does it mean people like you have started to uh, do things that are worth bringing to the attention of others? And it's like, man, I used to think of this concept of like, if every person, and I know some people very sadly and unfortunately can't do it, but let's just say those who have money can make up for those who can't. But if every person put a dollar, one dollar in this world towards any cause that needed it, how much better of a world would we live in? That's seven billion two hundred ninety-one million dollars, roughly. If each person in the world just gave a dollar, mm-hmm. what, what would we be able to achieve? And I think that's the thing that sometimes it may stop people. I've been guilty of this sometimes. Going, oh, what's I could do a GoFundMe, but like you know, it's all this energy I'm gonna have to put into this and all that. But now when you attach the the physical mental challenge with it when you attach someone like yourself that's like okay it's not just gonna be me being like hey guys let's give back to neurology it's like let's give back to neurology and just to hype this up here's what i'm gonna do to give back to it here's the suffering i'm gonna put myself like a madman <laughs> but isn't that crazy like this unique uh call it a marketing concept call it a call, call it such a like creative um, endeavor attached towards, let me just find some sense of physical mental suffering attached to something that I, that deserves to be mm. um, given attention and money to grow. And it's all so genuine. And I, and I think actually I had this thought, this exact, that exact thought um, around the 27,000 steps today mark. And I thought, okay, so my mental and physical suffering will probably go away after a cold, cold shower but my aunts won't. Hers is going to take time. Hers is going to take months. So it's worth it. You know, my pain is minimal compared to hers and I'm choosing to do this. She's not choosing to lay there in recovery. Yeah, she didn't ask for this. No, 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 she didn't. And, you know, her family didn't. Um, her loved ones didn't. Her poor vegetable garden definitely didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and, it, and it's what, so it's the little things, like I said, you know, we need to, appreciate the good in the world you know these people go to school they dedicate their lives to the cause and then times like this 
one per one of those people comes comes to work and comes into our lives and creates a miracle for us. Um, and I, I just I've never met the doctor or the surgeon or anybody from the department, and I ne- probably never will. But this is my way of saying thank you to every single one of them. Yeah, I don't think they're the type of people that need even the element of recognition that they obviously deserve but how beautiful would it be is once you have that check in hand and if you perhaps could find out who it well, is it, that operated it, and be able to like my conversation them, with right? the the hospital went as like this they said do you know the people in the department that you'd want to give recognition to and i said i do but i just want to check with the family if they're comfortable and actually i haven't sent that information over yet but i will but those people will get a personal letter saying these this patient and their family sent gave you recognition for what you did and send thanks, but they'll also be uh, featured in the newsletter. Oh, that's um, beautiful. And I think that's, that's important for them because like I said, they dedicate their lives to this. You know, yeah. how many years of schooling? They don't um, do it for that, but it's really nice to see a family that's extending such a, you, you and your family, such a large extendable amount of gratitude towards those people that just, they're the unspoken heroes, man. They do this every day, mm. you know, and they, like you said, I love how you said they dedicated their entire life to being able to Absolutely. preserve. And they will um, further, they'll, they won't stop learning. Yeah. They won't stop saving. They won't stop creating miracles. Yes, you know, they're gonna have bad days like everybody does. It's crazy, man. But they just get on with it. If we have any Edmontonians listening to this, I want to support you. Um, where can they find the link to donate? Or actually anyone in the world rather. Oh, uh, they, well, they can find it on my Instagram, which is amanubi07, that is my handle. Um, and there's a link in my profile to the Canada Helps, which will take you directly to the fundraising page. Um, I'm posting quite a bit, way more than I've ever done. My uh, Instagram is also uh, not on private, which is which is a bit of a shock to me. I've never, I've never not had it on private. So, so anybody can actually get to it right now. Um, I'm just sharing a fundraising doesn't actually end until the end of July. Mm. Obviously, I have, a, I have a, the option to extend it should I wish to do so. Um, but yeah, like, you know, if, if anybody's out there who believes in the cause, believes in the good in people and actually just wants even inf- more information, you know, feel free to reach out. But please do if you find it in your hearts to donate. Um, How can Edmontonian support you um, by running uh, any uh, amount or walking any amount in those in a 24 hour span? Again, once uh, hopefully by the end of the, this week, early weekend, I'll uh put onto my Instagram sort of the the key places that and times I'm hoping to be in places um and they can come along they can join we've all I've already had so much so many random messages from people saying we want to be part of this and it's insane whether they're not they're, whether those people turn up or not is not even the issue right now it's the mm. fact that people are actively wanting to do so and hoping to do it's a lot of time you know, it's a lot of time to dedicate. Um, a lot of people, you know, people have families, they have other commitments and stuff. But even if someone wants to come out for five minutes, it's worth it, man. An hour. It's like a group a think You're going to feel massage, so much. A leg in, massage. You yeah, know, anything. Calm down. <laughs> they're going to feel so inspired and they're going to want to do it with you, man. I think that's the best part, right? Well, I, I, rumor has it that you're doing a part, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? I would the, I would not miss this for the world. I'm not doing the whole that. thing, but I can do a part of it. it. And I'd I love to do that, that with you. Thank you. Yeah, man. That's uh, It's absolutely inspiring, man. Um, you know, based off of all that, man. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton. 
which is on a mission to inform you about your city. Want to get a handle on Edmonton's growing innovation scene? Take a listen to Bloom, Taproot's newest podcast. Each week, hosts Emily Randall Watson and Faiza Ranji will discuss the latest developments in efforts to solve new problems and diversify the economy. Find out who's investing in what, who's investing in whom, and what's on the horizon. Find Bloom wherever you listen to podcasts or visit bloom.taprootedmonton.ca. I'm curious to know a little bit of a pivot, how much, um, you know, when you think about the mental health issues you've gone through in your life, mm. what are some of the things that have helped you cope uh, through any uh, mental health struggles you faced that you'd be willing to share as far as what those struggles were and then what your what, what, what the best coping mechanisms were you know, over time? Um, I think my mental, my poor mental health stemmed from a lot of unresolved, unprocessed stuff generally um, from a kid, as from, from being a kid. And I think a lot of that was my perception of myself. I think I touched on a little bit um, earlier when I spoke about meeting you guys for the first time, the farmers group for the first time mm. and not really understanding how I was going to be perceived. Believe it or not, that's been the case for my entire life. Um, I've a lot, a lot of people have, and it's very unfortunate that you know, I was bullied for a very long time. Um, I wasn't the brightest academically. I was, I had to try. Um, I wasn't an, an athlete by any stretch of imagination. I had to try, and I, I'm proud of what I achieved in that in that field and academically. You know, I, I always still see my greatest achievement as going through university and getting a, a, a degree in psychology, which people often don't believe I have. Um, but, you know, and and I think there was probably a part of me where I put too much pressure on myself in terms of expectation of myself based on what I saw around me, uh, my peers, my friends, uh, my sister's super bright, but obviously she's never, you know, it's, it's never been a competition. I'm really proud of what she's, she's my, my sister's a, a principal at school. Um, and she was, she has been for a long time. I think she was about th- probably 30 when she became a principal, which is, which is insane. Wow. Yeah. She's super bright. My dad was a teacher back in India before he came to England. Um, and I think I just put a lot of pressure on myself and I probably believed a lot of the things people said when they were bullying me did a little bit of that pressure come from oh look how successful my uh sister is and it's no. not like it's uh, advertent but it's inadvertently related to no i, I don't, I don't or, think it was my sister so much i think okay. culturally it's culturally um i think just piggybacking off what yeah you i think obviously people on this podcast can't see me right now but coming from a Punjabi sikh family i think mm. there's there there's a traditional culture attached um and especially of my generation um we're an expectation of you're supposed to be this person you're supposed to be that person you go to school you do school you go to university you get a job you get married you have kids you live with your parents <laughs> you buy mm-hmm. a house and that cycle continues and i think there was a, that i think that was a lot um you know when i went into we, you, we didn't used to go out as kids too much you know you didn't used to go out to play too much we didn't used to go out to party too much and i i loved my childhood i loved spending 
every single minute that I did with my parents. Honestly, <laughs> like I can Love tell that. you our routine, our daily routine and just talking about our good. daily routine still makes me smile. You know, it, is, that, it was just like, you know, we ate together, we washed up together, we watched TV shows Spent together, we together. went to bed. Those were the best loved, moments, man. I loved just every like single second of it. Being a kid and having those moments with your parents, you tend to take that for granted. Yeah, and older. I would never change anything. You know, we didn't have a lot, but whatever we had was loved. It was love. And like, we had fresh water, we had clean clothes, we had cooked meals by my wonderful mum who's just the most insane cook um i think everyone says that about their mum though but um but then but what i did find when i went away to study is that i was actually quite nervous because i didn't know the social element of going out at night or Mm. living with nine boys which i just ended up doing like living away from family and even that i think that just played a big part in my on my mental health sort of like I became, I found actually on reflection, I became a chameleon to my environment and actually don't know if I was ever authentic while Uh, I was, while I was at at university studying. I don't know if I ever was like, I struggle with the same thing. I'd always just feel like the when in doubt, just become who you're surrounding yourself around. And I did that and too I, yeah, much. Became so good at it where when I started the pod, it completely resonated with what you say. And when I started the podcast, I was like, what version of myself yeah, do I bring? And I was like, well, who, who am I then? Like, why am I, why am I? And I get it. You are your mom's son. You are your mm. friend's friend. You are your, you know, sister's mm. brother. Like there's going to be a, a version of yourself mm. within each of those. But also it's like, there should still be someone who's the same. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and, and it was like, okay, so I am a captain of this soccer team. I'm fine with that. But then I have to be the most extroverted on the team also because I'm leading this group of boys, but I'm uncomfortable with that. But I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to turn yourself up. to be someone you're not. I'm going to turn up, have to turn up every Wednesday evening after a game to go out. You know, we used to wear like, it used to be like dress up, part, uh, like nights out. We used to dress up as this person or that person. It would be exhausting. It was exhausting. It's like so much was, energy you're spending on someone you're not. Get me to lead a training session. I'm happy doing that. Get me to sort the team out for the game. I'm happy doing that. But then, okay, I wanted to go home, but I spent too many years not. It's like team bonding, impressing, everything, okay, get the team together. Everything it never and ends. It seems never ends, and and I think late twenty eighteen, um, maybe twenty nineteen. I can't remember the exact year. I think all that sort of just was just making me like, suffocating me. I feel like everything that I'd experienced and every part of me that I'd changed became exhausting. And I just broke down. Like I just, I couldn't, I was in a relationship at that point. You know, I wasn't very happy. I wasn't, I was always emotional. Um, you know, I had a, I don't know, I just, I just wanted to hide from myself. Um, and I think it took, it took me, because I, I worked at the University of Oxford uh, for five years, six years before I came over here, and which I loved. It was a great time. And I, I actually had a very supportive boss, uh, second boss there, but he was very supportive. And it took me to go and see him one Monday morning in our like regular Monday morning uh, meeting. And I just broke down into tears. And I just cried like a baby for probably Mm. an hour. And I think that was the sign for me. I was like, okay, so this is affecting every aspect of my life now. And it's enough's enough. And actually what he did was contact counseling department on my behalf straight away mm. instantly 
I think I had an appointment within a week. You didn't waste time. No, not at all. And I think I was at that point. Good for him at that time, recognizing that. Yeah, and, and we, you we know, just need to navigate he, this energy towards the right direction. He's, honestly, he's he's he unreal. Saw the potential in you, it seems. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people had and just did the right thing. Like you're just breaking down. You're sad. Honestly, like, I couldn't. You know when some people are like, they see you sad, and then they're just like, they don't know what to do with you. Like you ever see that? It's mm-hmm. like you see someone so wounded, so hurt, so upset. And it's crazy to me that some people lack the emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and ability. I get it. As you get older, it's important to recognize this. When you're younger, maybe it still needs to take some time. But just to look at that person and be like, hey, like, how can I help you right now? Like, like you know, can I suggest X, Y, Z? You know, it sounded like he did something similar. He did. He was amazing. Like and and he was, he was honestly phenomenal. I can't. He's a huge reason. Why I got help? Yeah, I didn't mean. In fact, he's the sole reason I got about. help. In fact, because I don't think I think I would have been like, "Oh no, I'm fine," and then I would have become a comedian in that situation also. And like, yeah, and I, and I think actually his push saved me. I'm really glad you brought that up because I I I wouldn't say struggle with that, but uh, being a chameleon was like one of my biggest strengths. Mm-hmm. But it was also now I look at it, it was my uh, it's also sometimes a recipe for disaster because I wasn't. I was so good at being a chameleon that I chose to be a chameleon and not myself. Yeah, I didn't notice it at the time. I thought it was great. I was yeah. living the life. I was. You, know, get, you get fed that information, right? My marketing degree was like, oh, you, you go in front of anyone <laughs> well, with any job, you'll be yeah, just like that's them. That's even worse, right? And it's like, oh, you feed into it. Yeah. You feed into it, right? And I was and, doing, I was doing, you know, going out six nights a week, you know, with different sets of friends. And it's the go-to, right? Honestly, You're just like, oh, we okay, yeah, I know how to get liked. I'll just act just like them. We were living the dream. We were having like house parties. I used to have like 250 people turn up and like. It's like we used to have more people in our house than we used to have our student <laughs> union. Our student union was going bust, but we had everybody in our house. We insane. worked for the student union <laughs> at the time, but we were taking everyone. But this is great. You know, I, I'm young. I'm mid-20s. I'm yeah. playing football. I'm doing my degree. I've got so many friends. And, you know, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but because of sort of not status, because we played football, because we worked for the student union, we lived on campus for a while. Nice. Everybody knew us. No, yeah, it was all there. And it was insane. Yeah. Like it was the, you'd live the life, but it was everything you see on TV. Yeah. But it was detrimental to my I'm mental picturing, health. You ever heard the show Blue Mountain State? No. <laughs> we should look that up after. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's called Blue Mountain State. I used to watch that like grade 12 and I'm like, this is what college is like. Yeah. I feel like Zach Morris <laughs> from Saved by the Bell. Yeah. But, um, but it was detrimental to my health in the long run. But I, 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 I could never have seen that because I was so involved in be kept changing my personality for every single conversation. I, I was not. I'm not saying that I wasn't. I was horrible to people. Well, when you go back, I mean, okay. Before I assume, would do you regret any of it? Like, would you go back? I don't think you can regret it. Yeah, fair. And I think if I went back, it'd be completely different because I'm a different person now. Yeah, so no, I can exactly. Think about how like, I would what be. would the person you do now do if you went and decided to go back to college now? What would be the activities, the behavior? Well, I think. The- I think. I think you learn the hardest thing in life, in my opinion, is no. You know, you say no. Instead of just going with it, you're actually able to make decisions about what what is important to you at that time. Yeah, hey, the le- less people pleasing. Yeah. Just and, being like, I know, don't want to go, I don't want to do this. It's like, okay, so I have an essay due and everybody's going <clears throat> on a night out. Okay, I'll come. I'll do my essay when I get back. I don't drink. I haven't drank. I didn't drink all through uni. I haven't drank 
I haven't drank, mm. but um, alcohol, I'm talking about drink water and caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, we used to have a 24-hour IT suite. So we used to go on a night out, come back at 4 a.m. and then go and do our essay and then hand it in before 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. before before it, it's <laughs> technically classed. It's, the, the, it's the time crunch. Honestly. Like, this is doing four but, hours but, and we're going to cook up. But me going <laughs> back now would be the other way around. Yeah. I'd make sure my work was done, probably have a nap and then be like, ah, oh, do you know what? I'm just not going to come. Switch it up a little uh, bit. And, and I think I don't, Everything that I learned made me who I am. And the struggles and the scars have also taught me a lot. And I, I, I think you have to, to an extent, be proud of your scars mm. because they are part of you. You know, your scars help you see where you've been and where you probably don't want to go again. And also your scars are a conversational piece as we're on a podcast, a conversational piece to potentially help others, to potentially be the catalyst of change for others, to potentially help others make decisions and what they want to do or understand where they're at mentally or physically or whatever. And I don't think you should hide them. Couldn't agree more. That's very beautifully said. Mm. What are any other scars you have that you're willing to share that uh, um, you can now... I think, um, so So I was actually in a, a long-term relationship for a while. And I think people have always assumed that that was detrimental to my mental health, the, the mm. ending of it. But actually I was in a, in a dark place before. Mm. Um, and that's it really. Like it existed before, it existed afterwards. Um, and actually- yeah, it wasn't stemming down. No, 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 definitely not. Definitely fair. not. And yeah. and I think that's I was- respectable I was, to admit. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I, just, I wouldn't ever blame- my mental health on a specific person mm-hmm. i wouldn't give them that much credit <laughs> but, <laughs> but but yeah, you know that. and there's no hard feelings there either i know yeah. everybody grows in different directions uh, just be happy honestly last that's all life's about but mm-hmm. my mental health existed before that and in fact the ending of that relationship probably helped me to seek more help in a weird way it freed me up in a, in a respect but but that summer though i will say you know the summer of summer of 2020 um was very difficult um i would count on two hands the amount of times i had planned to do something about my life in the sense of not being here mm. um to the point where everything was in my head lined up. I would call the ambulance and tell them that I'm going to do it. But so that nobody else found me, so that my family didn't find me, that my neighbor didn't find me. I didn't want to put anybody else through it. Um, And, you know, seven, six, seven times I almost took the decision um, because I thought life was too difficult. Um, I had a dog at the time. I know you're a dog lover. Mm. Um, and a lot, two or three of those times, my biggest fear was that nobody would come and he would starve. <laughs> so believe it or not, Kenny, that dog saved my life twice. Wow. Yeah, because I was just so scared that he wouldn't get any food. Um, the thought of, it's very tough to live for yourself, but now living for the dog's yeah. health. and It's not his fault. I always, I always just say it's not his fault. I can't do this to buddy. Yeah, and and I, and I think everybody always says, but don't you think about your family, your friends, your loved ones at that point? I'm like, 
No, because it's an undescribable pain I was in, a pain that wasn't going to go away with medicine. It wasn't going to go away with rest. It wasn't going to go. It was just a pain that I just needed to escape. And at that point, all I was thinking about was the pain and getting away from that pain. Um, so yeah, it was a very tough summer. Um, obviously this was all whilst we were in lockdowns as well. Um, so actually seeing anybody was not even an option. Two years later on here. Yeah. I appreciate how open you are in sharing that. I mean, that's, uh, especially that many times and can't imagine indescribably what that pain is like to to lead to that i find i don't know if you felt this way personally but i hear some people feel like they're doing their loved ones fortunately their mentality is they're doing their loved ones like they're doing them they feel like a solid that's what i felt like yeah they almost feel like they don't need me like this in this world it's sad yeah where it's like you almost feel so much of a burden to others and i think that's what's so sad about how much that pain yeah blinds someone in a state of suicide to wish to do that to themselves mm. and also um there's so much behind what makes someone do that because it's once again it's it's a pain you don't see um it's, it's something that you um from what I know through what people tell me because this is never something I've personally experienced, but it's a pain that you uh, you feel that just r- rips you apart, you know. And for you to fight that, for you to recognize the power of not necessarily just living for yourself. I think that's the theme, not just necessarily getting fit for yourself, not just necessarily working for yourself. You know, your dog's coming in, in into the equation, your aunt getting really ill and then surviving the the operation and, and, and you know, hopefully from what it seems coming out of it mm-hmm. back to, um, you know, being, be, being fully functioning. Like that is what for someone like yourself empowers you to keep fucking moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just human. That's just everybody is you have to have something or someone to, to keep fighting for. Um, I think what's unfortunate is a lot of people who do commit suicide are in such a dark place that either one, they no longer have any of that, they're stripped of it all entirely, or two, um, there's so much darkness in their head or there's so many voices in their head that are um, convincing them otherwise. So I think that's a really tough thing for those who are friends with people who are suicidal because they're trying to show and tell them however many times that, hey, I'm here for you, I'm here mm. for you. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think saying it doesn't help. Uh, it, it, it can maybe go so far, but I think there's like this act mm. of, okay, don't say you're here for me, just be there for me. Like, just like, fucking drag me out of my house and like let's go do something and i don't know like you tell me from what you've experienced i think i think um when you're in that place you don't care what anybody's saying okay 
but when you reflect when you're not in that place like i am right here now i can literally reel off all the names of the people that said to me i was there for you because i realized that they actually truly were and they still are when you're there when you're in that place you're like but i'm not there for me i'm not even here like i don't want to be here so you can be here as much as you want but i'm not you're not I'm not present. In this body, you're in this mind. I'm and not you present. You know, and the, the the scariest thing for me was these thoughts weren't just even coming to me while I was awake. They were haunting my my sleep. They were haunting my dreams. You know, I'd mm. wake up in the middle of the night saying, "Right, I have to do it now." And you know, that was the terrifying part because then you're like, oh, "I should just stay laying bed, laying down." There was there was times where I'd wake up in the morning sometimes and just lay in bed because it was a safe place to be. Because I knew if I got up, I'd be dangerous to myself. And I never even attempted it. Uh, you know, I'm really proud of myself to do that. I see myself as a survivor. Um, and Big actually, time. there's there's credit to a lot of people. You know, my my family back home and here especially. Like, you know, some of my family here used to FaceTime me and just keep me on FaceTime for the entire day. This is, when they, this is when they knew? that I think that they, they knew and had a hunch. Yep, they just used to leave me on FaceTime. Did that help you? Oh, big time. It did. I That's felt like awesome. I was being watched. And yeah. it, was good. it was good. It was it But was, it was like needed almost. But also I felt like I was wanted. Mm. Um, my mum, my family, actually, my immediate family had no idea any of this was going on. So it would have been a shock to them had I done anything. Um, I actually told my mum about it that winter, same winter, just before I came out here. So then what advice do you give someone who, let's say right now is contemplating ending their life? Um, or they have tried and they're, 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 they're going to try again. Hmm. It's difficult to answer that. Obviously we say don't, yeah. um, you know, and, and we can say the cliches of, and I know it's not a one around us. Yeah. You it's know, not a got, one got, size shoe fits all like, you know, oh, yeah, you're loved. your perspective. No, you know, you can say, you can say, oh, you know, you're loved. You've got people around you phone me, do this, do that. But I would always say, if you're going to do it, go to bed, wake up tomorrow and tell me how you feel now. Because I promise you, they won't have the same feeling the next following morning. Mm. Like the whole sleep on a cliche is so relevant because I don't think I ever felt it two days in a row or three days in a row. Keep telling yourself, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Which is the opposite to what we're told. Do be Homer Simpson. <laughs> yeah yeah be home with simpson <laughs> do it tomorrow but honestly like there was i honestly don't think there was you know a succession of days in a row where i felt like i was going to do it i think it was probably like once every couple of weeks or something mm. and most of the other days were just oh so i'm still here okay cool what would lead to it what, what would be the first inkling that made you went i don't know you know and it <laughs> I actually don't know. They're, everybody's always asked me about my triggers. Even now when I have down days, they're like, okay, so anything that triggered it. I don't know my triggers. Oh, okay. Other than social anxiety, which which I'm hoping I've come past. Although I'm not going to lie, when I thought this was going to be going to be filmed, there was a, a little bit, I was freaking out oh, a little fair. bit. Yeah, it made but, you feel um, more comfortable that it's Yeah, yeah, big time. Mm. Um, and it's different, right? Yeah. When it's like not... Because people can see me. <laughs> like, no one can see. It's perfect. It's my like, voice. Yeah. <laughs> now you just get my British accent. Yeah. If you ever want to cop out, you can be like, I'm in. Those are different. I'm in. Yeah. Kidding me? That wasn't me. What you talking about? <laughs> but um, no, you should own it. But yeah, I think 
I, I've never known my triggers. Um, I've never known my triggers. I've never known. I'll tell you mine. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've discovered mine recently. Mine's two things. Okay. And triggers that base off of poor decisions I make. Not just poor decisions, but decisions that I need to make sure I think on. I need to think on it first to recognize that it's based off my triggers. Mm-hmm. Loneliness okay. and boredom. Right. I feel like those two very much so are twins. Loneliness, boredom. They just go hand in hand with one another. Anytime I feel a sense of um, you could say the inability to express myself. So sometimes it's funny how much this can even happen in a social setting. Mm. Or the inability to um, find joy in my own company. Loneliness. So that's something where I've noticed I will force myself to be in a conversational setting. Look at what the hell I do for a living. Look at what I choose to do as my side hustle. Mm. It's like, ah, like it's all conversational based. Mm. What is I'm most uncomfortable with? Doing a podcast by myself. I wanted to do that. I failed to do that. I've done like one or two episodes. And it's just the the joy behind doing it by myself is I need to work on entertaining myself more. So I'm, I'm, I'm in my stages right now working on that up mm-hmm. right like i'm i'm actively seeing a therapist right now and oh, okay nice. what can i do to just enjoy my own company this is stemmed from even being in a position of since i was 18 being in back-to-back relationships okay. with like maximum maybe a two three month break mm-hmm. okay then so it's like now i'm like okay let's fix this yeah to work on being comfortable with my own self and company second thing boredom there's this constant sense of me wanting to be stimulated and, and throughout all my five senses, right? Is I, growing up since I was a kid, I mean, I used to say within minutes, I'd be at my aunt's house, uncle's house, parents would drop me off. If I'm not getting entertained the way I wanted to be entertained, two words would come out of my mouth. I'm, I'm bored. bored, right? Yeah. <laughs> but now into adulthood, I've ignored saying it, but my mm-hmm. actions would say otherwise. That due to boredom, here's now things I've chosen to do. Good, bad, in between, right? But this constant sense of stimulation, it's not healthy. So I bring this all back to how unique it actually is to figure out the triggers. Because I'm going to argue that they're there. Yeah, They're there somewhere. And I think it's about paying attention to whether or not, let's say, um, any of these episodes arise in your life still. But it's like now perhaps through reflecting, you go back and you're like, wait, okay, every couple of weeks, what? What was the what was the seed that pl- that, that that started to yeah. um, plant this 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 sense of um, darkness that overclouded everything else that felt good? What was that? And sometimes it's crazy. It surprises you. You're like, whoa, and you're like, okay, you either need to get rid of it, yeah. or you need to add something mm-hmm. more or less of in your life to to keep it all together. Mm. Interesting. And two two habits I got rid of that relate boredom, loneliness. I'll openly admit it. Number one, my addiction to coffee. Addiction, I use that and word. You're doing amazingly well. Thanks, man. Okay. I use that word very uh, cautiously because I I say that, and some people are like, "Oh, so how many cups a day you have in like five or six? And I'm like, "No, like <laughs> one a day." But it's the fact that it's my crutch. Yeah. I don't like that. Now in my life, I'm like, I don't like 
something being my crutch, whether it's a person or it's a thing that's not healthy. So back to lonely and boredom, mm. right? Is, ooh, this makes me feel something, right? Oh, like I feel stimulated having coffee. And then, okay, a little bit of loneliness. It gives me a lot of creativity and imagination. Why can't I tap into that by myself? Through breathing, meditation, through just creative thinking, mm. right? The second thing is masturbating. Mm. Okay, done. Like, let's just, let, let's let's quit that. Let's let, like it started with porn and then it transitioned into um, like not feeling the sense of quick fix. I want to feel something. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been part of my night routine since ever since I've heard it exists. Okay, not good. Let's get rid of it. Why do I have to attach me? Yeah. Oh, getting a good night's rest to that type of activity. <laughs> yeah. The stimulation, right? Boredom, loneliness. Two things it fixes. So that was a crazy thing, man. Is like as I, as I really unraveled yeah. it, I believe there's more I need to add and get rid of in my life, of course. But these two things already, man, in the span of the window between like thirty to one hundred thirty days, I'm like, by no means a, a guru or by no means like fully healed in my own journey. But I'm just a lot more like of an of an energy level that's just in sync. Not too high, not too low. And it's it's really beautiful to see, man. And I say all that. I know I went off on a tangent here, but I think it'd be really cool for you once you have identified what your triggers are to then see what changes. Yeah. Right? No, good for you though, Kenny. Like working on yourself is underrated. I think I think I think I think we we spoke briefly just before we started is actually like evolving personally is like the biggest thing you can do regardless of how old you are, how young you are. Without evolving, I feel like you're not really here or you're not living. Um and I think you need to keep changing and adding things to your to yourself. Well that that's why I, I love that you say that man you resonate with it because I, I feel like you should always be expanding your comfort zone. Mm. I, I, I I preach that. Right. Um, it doesn't need to be a large amount every day or every year, but it's kind of like, okay, what what am I doing to make myself just be understood a little bit more and understand others more? How can I do that? Mm-hmm. And how can I? How like it's like what this podcast helps me to do, man, is like just be curious, be so authentically curious. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like there's nothing wrong with needing to learn, wanting to learn more about other people to then as a bonus, learn more about yourself. Yeah, well, absolutely. And and actually you speak about being out of your comfort zone. We spoke about doing this podcast. It was a very passing conversation, actually, from what I remember. It was just before. <laughs> just before it was so. Dude, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> to the point where I was like, did this even happen? Like, I think it was just I before the, the surprise way. bit. I think there's a the, just before the surprise bit. It was so And quick. then I started talking to someone else. And then the surprise happened. I sat on a table behind you. You sent me a message saying, right, let's do this, 7 p.m. Thursday. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, so that did, conversation did happen. Then I look yeah. back up and you're gone. I was like, was he even here? It was so um, in and out, but, man. But then, I know, I'm terrible. But going back to comfort zones, a year ago, I told you that I couldn't have too many social situations in a row without feeling like I want to hide. Mm. Did I hesitate to say no to you about the podcast? You didn't. Absolutely you not. You didn't. Because for me, getting out of my comfort zone is something I'm doing a little bit more. I love but that, But also, 
I still, yes, I'm doing the challenge. I'm doing the 100,000 steps in 24 hours, but I still don't see this as about me. I don't see this as about me at all. What's nice? So for me, it was like, this podcast is going to benefit the cause, not me. Yeah. I want you to stick with that forever, man. There's going to be many more causes and things in your life I truly believe that you're going to choose to um, invest your time and energy into. I think this is the beginning of a very beautiful journey in um, you discovering the um, impact you personally truly have on um, just many things that are going to make this world a better place. Mm. It's not your first time. I can argue with that. It's not your first time. Look at what you do for Run for Farmers. You are and were one of the most outspoken people in the group. Your name is very well known in our community um, within our, you know, hundred members per se and i'm sure there's other aspects in your life that have showed you how much you bring your full self to something that is such a good cause that has nothing to do with you but you put your energy into it for a reason and i think that's something that is worth mentioning that this isn't your first rodeo and that it's it's the be it's back to your point about comfort zone yeah it's expanded now because now when you believe in something so much and have so much passion, look what happens. It was, man, and I'm not trying to compare, but there's a lot of people that try to do what you do. There's people that try and they fail miserably because it's not genuine and it's not coming from that place of, I'm just doing this for others, mm. right? I, I'm a big believer and I feel like I can see that. Sometimes a little later, sometimes a little sooner, <laughs> but I just feel like, People like you, man, just deserve so much to have an audience in front of them or or a platform like this or to just get all of that um, attention to the cause so that way we do live in a better place because mm-hmm. not everyone's willing to do what the fuck you do, you know? That's, I appreciate that. That's a crazy thing, man. And, so and keep I'm, doing it. I'm a firm believer and I'll, I have said this. I feel like it's one of my trademark phrases to certain people is that we're not in this world by ourselves. Not at all. And actually without working together and working for those around us it's a very lonely place it's a very lonely man place. and not not to put religion religion into it at all or anything but <laughs> you know it's so funny that i catch myself when i say that then you say a religious thing <laughs> it's like not to be religious but i'm gonna be religious kenny's about to breach kenny's <laughs> yeah. about to breach <laughs> but it's like in our in our culture of being sick right a religion sorry um Selfless service, seva, mm-hmm. right? You don't even have to believe in God or you don't, or, or you you could or anything in between to recognize that seva comes from the notion of just provide service for others selflessly with no added benefit Absolutely. to yourself. There's no righteous, uh, you know, self-provided uh, benefit. Mm-hmm. It's just, I do this for others because they need it. Yeah. We share this world together. Yeah. I'm- the same way I live under the one roof with my family and we all need to take after this home. Why the fuck are we going out of this house and some people choose to go in this world they live in and 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 treat it like it's not something they share with others. Yeah. And there's so much to this topic, but it's like, man, like if we all, if all of us just expanded our comfort zone a little bit and just like recognizing that for a second, 
how much better of a world we live in if we recognize we share it. None of this bullshit. We're separated by continents and provinces, and 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 this ruler lives this way, and that ruler lives that way. So now we need to go to war, and then like bring in the the whole Ukraine and Russia thing. Like I'm, I don't need to get political with it, but I'm sure people get it when I say that. Where it's like so much easier said than done. But the way we built up society today in 2022 is is tremendously, in a way, a little fucked up. Yep, and it's like. When people, I laugh now. I actually, I have good laughs. I make people laugh because I try and get them to realize what they're doing. And they're like, what are you? And I'm like, I'm a human being. What are you? And they're like, ah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we're humans. Like, but okay. It, you're absolutely right. We, we, you know, not going into genetics, obviously. And we all come into this world the same, pretty much. 100%. But within hours, we're changed by the environment, by the society we live in, by the people who we're given to because of the society they live in, because of the society they were brought into. There, it, there's, we come into this world at the same play, playing field. We're a blank bit of paper and it's our environment that shapes us. And we can choose what that environment is. We can choose that environment to be a loving, strong, environment that has values or we can choose to be an environment that doesn't care for humanity it doesn't care for peace it doesn't care for love you know the word love's just become way too easy to say now without any meaning attached to it but love is the most incredible thing in this world and everybody needs everything needs love i spoke about those two times where my dog saved my life. That was love. I loved something that could never have a conversation with me. Word. And that dog, who I don't no longer see, two years ago is the reason I'm here two years on the other side of the world. That's love. That's a dog. A dog that knew better than probably 50% of humans Crazy, out hey. there. Insane. Mind blowing. We share this world, man. Mm. Where the dogs at? Ask me where, dogs <laughs> where are. the dogs at. <laughs> where That's are beautiful, at? man. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, it's no. been an absolute pleasure having Thank you, you for on, having man. me. Um, if you can share with our audience uh, on second floor where uh, we can find you and support you. Um, I know you shared it earlier mm. a little bit about your Instagram, but if people just wanted to continuously follow your journey, connect with you personally, uh, where's the best place to do so? It honestly is Instagram as it probably is for everybody else. So it's I'm an Ubi, A-M-A-N-U-B-H-I-07 is my tag. Is it called a tag on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I'm old. Um, but yeah, so just follow me, reach out, share information. Like I love, like Kenny, I like hearing about people's journeys. I like hearing what makes people tick. Conversation is a wonderful thing. That's 100% true, man. Mm. I just want to take the time, man, to acknowledge how beautiful this conversation was. No surprises mm. there. I think you we've know. spent the whole time falling in each other's eyes. <laughs> yeah. I'm in love right now, brother. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And uh, I really respect everything that you're doing come July 15th. 13th. 13th, yeah. yes. Come I'll July 13th. <laughs> we're going to make every single step count, brother. Absolutely. I can't wait to you know see the schedule out so I can pinpoint exactly what time i could share mm -hmm. some of those steps with you and well i'm coming to your gym so you won't be able to avoid me so yeah. i expect yeah, you, i expect full you, snacks and yeah, hydration exactly <laughs> man 100 but um 
just everything that you do, man, from how you carry yourself Thanks, to this mission that you have at hand. It's it's a true testament to the character and and love that you bring um, into the world. And I appreciate your kind words, Kenny. And, and yeah. coming into a country with your family in a different country, and obviously you've got a few people that you know and a family here, and coming across people like you. I think I messaged you a couple of days ago, actually. I was obviously feeling sentimental and, you know. I love that message. It made my day, man. But, you know, knowing someone like you and people like you exist in a world where you're not born or raised or grew up and then meeting them is just, honestly, it's amazing. It it, it does show there's love in the world. You yeah. You find it. <laughs> Especially when it, you make a good point, man, when it's like from such a foreign uh, territory, so mm. to speak, when you're almost like, oh my God, like this person, I see myself in this mm. person and they, they, they have the same values as me. Yeah, it's genuine yeah, yeah. and it's like, it's real. And, it, it, and I, you look like all our point. family members as well. So, oh, man, I love your family, Dad. <laughs>